for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, the Two Wonderful Podcast. I'm Peter. And this is Sarah. And I'm Jay. Yeah. Wait, wait hold on. Jay. Wait, this is weird. Have what? we traveled back in time? What? What? This is a, this is our usual setup time. What? <laughs> this is this is crazy. What's uh, what, what's been going on? Like how what? I could have sworn yeah. that we uh I could have sworn that you you left and and I've been doing this with Sarah for months. Whatever you're having, I want some. <laughs> well, either uh, way, either way, to, to you, apparently, it's been five seconds. To me, it seemed like months. But no matter what, we're glad to have you here. Um, Sarah's here now. Sarah is here now. Oh, you may have just heard Stevie meowing. But uh, Stevie's here, the cat. So extra awesome. special guest. <laughs> so, um the title of this episode uh, is is not a joke, unfortunately. Uh, this is the this is not the season finale. This is the series finale, um, and I'm hoping to, you know not too many people are are, are calling it the finally. Uh, like like I think one of my friends <laughs> used to joke about when, when we were younger um, about shows ending that he didn't like. But anyway, uh, so basically, uh, the podcast is coming to a close. Um, you know, a while back, uh, Jay bowed out. I know he's, uh, he apparently he's, he's blocked it out of his, uh, memory. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and Sarah joined and did an awesome job. Um, but, uh, the podcast is coming to an end. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to talk about, uh, why that is. Uh, and first of all, uh, it's cause it's going to be part of explaining why the podcast is ending. Um, I am after five years, five awesome years at winging in Motown. I am leaving the site. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to, to say that. So it doesn't sound bad. Cause it's not bad. Uh, you know, you've been canceled. We're yeah, canceling I've been canceled. you I mean, on every platform across the board. You know, when you're younger, sometimes you say things on Twitter that you don't really mean. <laughs> and I had a conversation with my daughter at dinner. Um, and she informed me, she went to her room and she wrote a blog post and she shared it with me. And I was just, I was like, what do you mean you can't say those words? Um, obviously, if you, hopefully you get that reference. Number one, I don't have a daughter. <laughs> um, but no, I, the, the short version is that um, it's a lot of work to, uh, to do what I do for the site. It's a lot of time and mental energy. And I, basically, this school year is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping it's not as difficult as I think, uh, but basically I, I made the decision that I'm not going to have the time to uh, be able to, to do what I've been doing for the site. And I'm the type of person where it's very hard for me to kind of do half measures like, you know, well, maybe I can take a step back. My brain doesn't work like that. Right. Um, because I, you know, for the last few years, I've been one of the moderators. Um, basically, me and JJ have been moderating the site mostly. And because of that, I basically read every single comment uh, and I spend 
you know, way more time than I'd like to admit, uh, refreshing the site to see if there's something else I need to do or something else in the comments. Um, and basically it's to an unhealthy level. And that's not because of the site, that's because of me. That's because of the way my brain works. Um, and so basically I, I decided uh, a little while ago to step away uh, from the site. Um, I'm gonna have one final article that like has a bunch of thank yous and uh, I'm gonna make a list of like my favorite things from over the years, you know, the articles that I've done that I'm the proudest of and stuff like that. Um, so originally I was gonna step away from the site and I wanted to continue the podcast. And then basically after like the last couple of weeks of trying to think about like what to do next for the show, um, I kind of came to the realization that I didn't want to do the podcast anymore. And it had nothing to do with Sarah, obviously. I mean, I, I think that would go without saying, but I want to make sure that's incredibly clear. Um, On the record, everybody. Yes. Scientists, <laughs> scientists declare not Sarah's fault. Do not blame her for anything. <laughs> um but basically, like over the last kind of year or two, uh, and I wrote about this at the beginning of last season, uh, I've just kind of become kind of more disillusioned with hockey um, in terms like to the point there now, like I don't really kind of feel like talking about it. I don't really feel like following it too much, at least at the moment. Maybe that'll change. Um, but basically, and, and this is something we're going to talk about in this first segment, just for, for our listeners, um, the format of this episode, this last episode, is going to be, um, you know, we're going to kind of discuss what I just said uh, for a little bit for the first segment. Uh, but then for the second segment, we're going to have a look back, a, a reminiscing, if you will, uh, about basically the podcast and all the fun we've had over the years. And uh, it's going to be a lot more upbeat. Uh, and then uh, the last segment is going to be some mailbag stuff. And uh, we have I've, I've created one last game. The, uh, the game to, to, to end all games, I, I think I messed that up. You get the idea. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite parts of doing the, the show, what actually, okay. One of my least favorite parts is making the game uh, because it can be a lot of work. Uh, and it's usually a lot more work than I expect it to be when I start out to, to, to do it. Um, but one of my favorite parts of the show, of any show, is when we do the game, is actually doing it. I just always have a blast. It's a lot of fun. And I'm sure this will be uh, no exception. So, like I said, I, I'm just going to talk for a minute, uh, a minute or two about kind of why I, you know, kind of feel that way. Um, and then I'm going to open it up to, to Jay and Sarah to, you know, kind of share what they think. Um, and I want to make it clear from the beginning that I am not trying to persuade anybody. I'm not trying to persuade readers or listeners to think the way I think right now. I'm just trying to be honest and just saying, like, this is how I currently feel. Um, basically, uh, you know, the last few weeks have been really hard in terms of you know, I'm somebody who has been a, a very big proponent of uh, increasing, and this is something we talked about a lot on the podcast over the years, increasing the diversity of hockey, getting more fans involved, getting more players from different areas and different backgrounds involved in the sport. And the last few weeks have just been really awful in terms of feeling like, even though it, it, at, at points it feels like we take steps forward, it then feels like we take giant steps back that kind of erase all the progress we've made. Um, obviously, we had the Montreal Canadiens uh, drafting the player who had even just said, do not draft me. And they said, OK, we're going to draft you. Uh, we are going to make sure that you uh, 
you see consequences for your actions by drafting you in the first round in a professional hockey league. Uh, and then, well, I forget the exact order, but basically it all kind of happened, you know, back to back to back. Um, you know, the, the, the Carolina hurricanes uh, signing Tony D'Angelo uh, and basically yes, people can change and yes, people deserve second chances, but nothing I've seen from him seems to indicate that he's actually changed or he's actually done anything uh, to, to try to uh, change from what, you know, what led him being bought out by a team and basically having his entire, you know, his entire team hate him. Uh, and, and then seeing Carolina do that, you know, the, the team that, that was fun, the team that was like so many, so many people's second uh, teams, seeing uh, Carolina be the team to do that was very disheartening. Um, and then uh, the other thing was uh, uh, ongoing Chicago, right? Obviously, you know, it's, you know, detail after detail about the Chicago thing comes out. Uh, we talked about that uh, recently with Chris Watkins, um, but it's just like, you know, story after story comes out, but then it's like, oh, hey, they're going to, you know, Mark Andre Fleury is going to go play for them. Hey, what a feel good story. It's like, no, it's not like if it wasn't for the horrible sexual assault that was covered up by people. Yeah, that would be a great story. I would love it. Right. I love Mark Andre Fleury in general. I think that that would be a fantastic story, but it's not now, at least not for me. Um, and I can't get past that. Like, at least not now. Maybe things will change in the future, but um, I don't want to ramble too long. So I'm going to throw it to you first, Sarah. Um, you know, what do you think? You know, again, I'm not trying to influence anybody. I'm not trying to be like, oh, you should think the way I think. But, you know, how, how, how have you felt about, you know, kind of the last few weeks in, in that way in hockey? Yeah. And I've, I've been thinking about that a lot, not just over the past few weeks. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I joined Twitter in like 10 years ago. And for me, it was like, I got energy out of hockey. Like hockey gave me energy back and because everything was fun and, you know, or felt fun. And then now I feel like this season, last season between the Red Wings being bad and just all the news being bad and the world being bad, it's just like an energy drain. There's not a lot of not being like, okay, I'm going to put my real life to the side and hockey is just going to like, you know, be my little bubble for a couple of hours to get me recharged to face the real world. Now it's like everything, everything is bad. <laughs> there is no recharging. It's just energy drain, drain, drain. And, you know, that's for, for some people, you know, their real life is draining them more than others. And, you know, I can, that's why I wasn't like, oh no, what if maybe it is my fault? I'm like, no, <laughs> Peter's had a lot draining lately. So not only literally with the sink, but everything. <laughs> and <laughs> um, yeah, so, so for me, you know, I'm still trying to inject positivity onto the internet. Um, but I also kind of sit here and feel like a hypocrite, um, being like, you know, what, what happens when the next story is from the Red Wings, when, you know, something really bad is from not, you know, not Mike Babcock, which like, phew, he's gone. We, you know, I can, I can pretend that's not a Red Wings problem. Um, you know, I, I, I'm worrying about <laughs> facing kind of my own hypocrisy when, if slash when, you know, the next horrible story comes out of Detroit, would I be able to walk away and be like, until there are co actual consequences, you know, you don't get my money, you don't get my time, you know, you don't get my energy. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't want to find out. And I'm afraid that the answer would be that I still wouldn't walk away. Um, and I don't, I don't want to face that not to be super net, <laughs> not to continuing the negativity, um, <laughs> not to be like another downer, but you know, that's, that's been weighing on my mind, you know, the past year or two of, you know, what, where is my line? And I think it's not where I want it to be. I, I think it's farther down for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I uh, one of the things you said, and, and, and it's hard and it's like, you know, for me, this is about, you know, kind of examining ourselves and that can be really hard to do, you know, and, you know, like, like the word hypocrite, like, like that's definitely a word that I've been thinking about for a long time when it comes to this. Uh, so in one way, I'm kind of glad to hear you say that. So it's not just me, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but it kind of does feel that way sometimes where it's like, um, you know, one thing I've been thinking about a lot is like, what should, you know, what should journalists do? Like, they can't, they can't only write about the Chicago sex abuse scandal if they're a Chicago beat writer. They would get fired. They would lose their job. I mean, like, like that's a, that's a, they, they could make that choice, but they have to feed their family. You know, it's their job. Like, they need money. They need food. They need a shelter. You know, I mean, like, like, like on one hand, it's very easy to say, well, they they should just quit. You know, but it's not that easy, you know, like when it comes to like, you know, actually having to do it, like, it's one thing to kind of stand up, you know, like I always would say in, as a teacher in high school, you know, if I asked you right now, if you were in the cafeteria and you saw a person being bullied, what would you do? And all of you would say, oh, I would stop it. Then why do we still have bullies? Yeah. Why does it still happen? If everybody would stop it, then why does it still happen? Very clearly people will say that they will do something, but they won't, you know? Um, it's, it's a horrible position and it's an unfair position for them to have to be put in. And like you said, I mean, it would be very tough if that came to happen as, you know, if, if it came to be the Detroit, you know, the Detroit version of this story, Jay, what do you think? I have very similar thoughts along the both of you. First of all, I know I haven't been here. Let's just drop the act. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I have not been on for a while. I'm happy to be back to, to shepherd this uh, thing to uh, where, where do Frodo and Gandalf go? Just the end of the world at the end of Return of the King. Oh, the, I don't know. Is that the seventh or the tenth ending to that movie? <laughs> yeah. I digress. Um, I'm very much in the same boat. There's a lot of horrible, horrible things coming out of Chicago that, um, you know, quite frankly, have. Uh, you know, the, the, I mean, my beef for the longest time has always been the moniker of the Black Hawk and how they continue to use it and um, how there's been ample opportunity and resources available all this time for them to listen and, and make a change. And they haven't done that. So to like, it's not about being shocked at this. It's just about being more severely morose <laughs> over mm. it. Um, the amount of, you know, again, there, it's still ongoing, you know, how much blame will be laid, how much, whatever, you know, like to me, this already reaches into the Red Wings because it's Stan Bowman, which means it's his dad, Scotty. So Scotty has such a big connection here. So if this is the type of behavior, you know, 
I, I, like again, how many times can you say you had you know plenary indulgence, will will uh, uh, plausible deniability? It it's there's as you've said, Pete, not enough action, not enough consequence, not enough uh, uh, personal accountability. Um, I think the the other thing that's really uh, cheesing my grits is the fact that that Montreal draft move happened and the uproar you know happened in the moments that it was unfolding and we're what two and a half weeks removed now and you know it's barely a blip hmm. um you know it's still there people still know about it um you know I, I i have to think that some part of the olympics being on right now is kind of giving this league a little bit of cover because you know the olympics has its own flipping problems but that's that's for an imaginary podcast episode in the future mm-hmm. um but yeah, I, I I'm uh, Sarah. Like like you said, um, I'm. I mean, even in light of learning all the stuff about Badcock and uh, you know the, the reading the article from Franzen about you know he's got like basically PTSD anytime he sees his face or anytime he hears his voice. It's that's it's it's severely messed up, and I myself have asked that same question. You know, what's what's the line? Where do I want it to be? Um, I think when Charlottesville happened and there was that one group that was using a modified version of the winged wheel, um, I think that that was probably a really good wake up call for the Detroit organization. Um, you know, they came out, they said their piece where it's like, Hey, you know, there's no way that's acceptable here, but you know, for them to just think that that was enough, that was disappointing. And then I think that that's, probably the mentality that has infected the rest of the league is what everyone's impression of enough is. We didn't draft him. That's enough. He didn't, you know, we didn't sign him. That's enough. Whereas it's, it's clearly not Um, like you mentioned with the Carolina thing, that's uh, wholly depressing. And I hashtag hate to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's, uh, you know, the, to quote the good place, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Oh, come on. You know that that's the worst one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's I, I'm I'm on that same wavelength. I, I will say conversely. Um, I'm very uh, intrigued by the recent moves and uh, picks that the Red Wings have made. I think uh, there is a lot of upside to the, the moves that have been made. You know, I think in the time it took from the trade for Nick Letty to when the draft happened and the players that we took, it was kind of like, Oh my goodness, is this the Eisman falling back to the earth? And then the draft and some signings happened. And I'm like, I think he's knows what he's doing. (laughs) I think, I think he's got the job for a reason. So um, it's, it's between a rock and a hard place for me right now. I'm, I'm excited in one sense to see how they do. They could surprise some people. You know, I think maybe they could be a random wild card team if they, you know, go nuts. I think Nadelkovich is a fantastic addition, a surprising addition. And again, that just shows that Stevie deals has entered the chat permanently. Um, but again, on the flip side, it's like, you know, like Sarah said, is there, you know, is there any seeds, any, any pockets of complete and utter disdainful information or abuse or uh, incidents that are just hiding underneath the surface that are just waiting to crop up and, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but if something were to come out, I would be comfortable walking away. I would be comfortable 
you know, putting, putting down my hat and, and, you know, I'm not saying forever, you know, I think a sabbatical would probably be in tune. I mean, again, with how crazy the sports landscape has been over the last year and a half with, with the pandemic and, um, you know, it's just, it's exposed a lot more things than I think people would know about. And because there's so much more time now to examine them, right? Everybody talks about the Friday news dump. Hmm. Like, oh yeah, we'll just have something to, to just let that out. And then by the time Monday rolls around, that ah, would have passed. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that there's much more exposure, much more uh, uh, spotlight to keep on these things. And even in then, even in that case, people get let off. I think, I think Watkins has said it best time and time again, the second that you're a hockey man, you're a made man. You'll never have to worry about getting a job again. You'll never have to worry about anything being held accountable. You just have this insulation and it's uh, dog shit. So that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I want my, you know, that's what I want my answer to be, to be like, yep. You know, I would at least take a sabbatical, you know, but it's also kind of like what Peter said about, you know, people's lives, like, especially during the pandemic, like, I'm alone 99.9% of the time, except for the cat. Hmm. So, you know, for me, Twitter is the main source of communication I have. Um, and talking about the Red Wings or posting memes about the Red Wings <laughs> is like 90% of my content. Um, you know, I guess I could, I could go lean on the Tigers a little harder, but <laughs> it's kind of like, Oh, that's just that hypocrisy comes right back where I'm like, I don't want to give up what I like to do, but I also don't want to, you know, be this giant hypocrite and be supporting something. And also, you know, I don't actually have power. It's not like I'm going to take my memes and walk away. Like, Oh, we'll change our attitude. Now we don't want to lose that, which was kind of why the Mark Andre Fleury thing was so disappointing for me because he had the power to be like, yep, I'm in Chicago, but I'm not going to play until this, 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 because he's a respected voice. He has a lot more of a respected voice than me and my pile of memes as far as <laughs> influence. So yeah, it was just, you know, that's, that's what was disappointing me there. And, you know, that's, again, that, that line, I don't, I don't want to have to come, I don't want to have to come face to face with myself. And I'm just going to admit that <laughs> I, I'm a coward. I don't want to have to face the facts. <laughs> I don't want to have to can look myself in the mirror and I'm sorry. That's just where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like, like Jay was saying, I remember when, you know, some of these stories first came out, people, you know, uh, like I remember, um, okay. Uh, listening to the 31 thoughts podcast, uh, Jeff, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, I think they did a great job for the opening segment of the show where they talked about Montreal drafting that player. And then basically they said like, you know, people were madder that they, that, or people were more upset than I've seen them in a long time at the end of that first round of the draft. And they said that they really thought that things were going to change. And I think that they did a great job of talking about it, but then the question is, okay, what are you, what are you, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm calling them out, I guess, but it's not just them. It's everybody, you know, two, two people with a giant platform. What are you doing about it? You know, what are you going to do? Um, 
And some people have done a great job. You know, some some national reporters have 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 done this. Uh, you know, there's this the uh, Rick Rick Westfield, I think, right, uh, who's been on top of the Chicago story every step of the way. You know, there's been uh, like Ken Campbell. You know, <laughs> new uh, you know on his own independent Ken Campbell is like the voice of you know the voice of empathy in the NHL, which is something I I wasn't sure I would ever say, but I mean he's just been knocking it out of the park with his articles, basically calling out the hypocrisy, saying it you know telling it like it is, um, but the vast majority of the NHL journalism world is just willing to just move on to the next thing, you know, and let's start talking about training camp. You know, it's like, and the reason that they're going to get away with it is because it's going to, you know, is because of that, you know, and it's, it, it's hard. It, it's a hard thing. You know, I, I don't really know what the solution is, um, but I do know that the solution is not what's currently happening. Um, so, like I said, we don't want this entire episode to be one giant bummer. We're going to take our first break there. When we come back, we are going to talk about happy stuff. We are going to talk about, uh, we're going to take a look back on uh at the uh you know on the last oh my god four years wow that's like way too long uh we're gonna talk about that and um it's gonna be a lot of fun and then again stay tuned we have one last game coming up for you in just a little bit Welcome back. It's been a long time since I brought a segment back. It feels feels nice. Feels the same, I think. So, as uh, Pete mentioned just before we went to break, um, aside from the state of hockey and our feelings about it, we wanted to make sure that you know it's about the good as well. There's a lot of recency bias that sometimes can dominate our conversations, but. You know, the point of this episode is to not just highlight, you know, the things that cause us concern, but also the things that we've seen that have been uh, uplifting and the good times that we've had on this program. Uh, I myself have many fond memories that have happened here and uh, with Pete and Sarah. It's just uh, it's a it's a gratifying thing to look upon something as it's ending and realize that you are 100% able to take more good than uh, bad out of it. And I'm very excited to uh, take a stroll down memory lane, cat style, uh, not alone in the moonlight, uh, but together in the day. I'm gonna stop trying to quote Broadway musicals now. Um, <laughs> so uh, Pete, I'm gonna, I'll start with you and, and I guess I'll, in light of this uh, type of uh, clip show type segment, um, uh, what I would like to ask is, uh, who was the, what's a moment from our show here that you were able to do, but when it, but you weren't so sure you were able, you're going to be able to pull it off. What, what was one thing that you, that you knew you could maybe do and you weren't sure, but then you were, you know, you're really glad it was able to happen. Oh, that's, um, I have a couple ideas, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to one. Um, I I think that the the evolution of our uh, segment uh, pucktails was 
one of my favorite aspects of the show where so basically it started off as what if we did like a drunk history type thing of hockey where we improved what quote unquote actually happened in famous hockey moments and I think that the first few times, like it was fun, but I think it was, it was, it was very hard. It was much, much harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, but I was still very happy with, with how it worked. And then the last, the last time we did it, um, I actually did a faux like uh, serial type podcast segment uh, about the night that Yaramir Yager almost killed Sean Avery. And it was one of the hardest technical things I've ever done in terms of like editing and, and making it sound like a uh, serial type thing. Um, so I think just for fun, because this is the last episode, um, I'm going to throw that in here. I'm going to drop that in here. So it's about four minutes. Uh, so if you have already heard it or if you don't care to, then you can skip ahead or right? you can skip ahead about four minutes and uh, you'll catch the end of it and it will intrigue you and you'll want to go back and listen to the rest of it. But um, that's definitely my answer. So let's take a listen to it right now. One of the few things that all humans share in our brief time on this earth is that we will all eventually die. But what happens when we die? Our greatest writers have wrestled with this concept, like William Shakespeare or Gene Roddenberry. The undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns. Puzzles the will. Here's David Tennant playing the immortal role of Hamlet. Makes us rather bear those ills we have and fly to others that we know not of. It's comforting to believe that there is more to this life, but we all rely on theory and religion to help us sleep at night. What if when we die, as Hamlet wrestled with, there is nothing but a long sleep? While many instances of dangerous plays in the NHL have nearly led to a player's death, perhaps no example is as harrowing as that which happened on October 30th 2006, when Los Angeles Kings forward Sean Avery nearly entered the undiscovered country. It was the Kings' 14th game of the season, and they had won just three up to that point. Avery was looking to make an impact in the game, whether by scoring one of the 28 points he would score for Los Angeles that season, or by sitting in the penalty box for either two or five of the 116 minutes he would spend there in 2006-2007. On the opposing bench this fateful evening was New York Rangers forward Yaramir Yager, a player not only known for his scoring touch. We're in the Stanley Cup final for the second year in a row, and here's Yager with the puck. Yager, nice move around Brent Sutter to the backhand. Let's it go, he scores! But also for his propensity to play on the edge, a facet of his game that would become important later. Sean Avery was no stranger to controversy himself. Known to have one of the biggest mouths in the NHL, Avery got into some trouble back in 2005 after Denny Goche took out Jeremy Roenick. I think it was typical of 
most French guys in our league with a visor on that, you know, run around and play tough and can't back anything up. He also had a history of being accused of not playing the game the way it was meant to be played. On this night, the unstoppable force met the surprisingly movable object. Sean Avery shot the puck into the offensive zone, with Yager streaking up behind him. The Rangers captain shoved him with a gloved left hand, causing Avery to twist and fall forward, placing his fragile head in great danger of hitting the rock-hard ice. At the last second, something happened. Some miracle. Some unexplainable twist of fate. Somehow, Avery's left leg, operating seemingly on its own accord, propelled his body high into the air, keeping his head from slamming into the ice. Conspiracy theorists will say that Avery must have dove initially in order to be able to push off with his left skate on his way to the ice. But what if that wasn't it at all? What if Avery's body refused to let him die that night? What if it wasn't an act of buffoonery, but an act of God? We'll never know. Wow, that was as good as I remember it. I Again, Pete, you talk about what it takes to pull off something like that. I mean, that's just years and years of experience to be able to marry sound and storytelling in such a in such a way i i really think you went to an area you didn't really need to go to but you did <laughs> i think we're all better for it <laughs> oh I, did you want to keep going or did you want to oh no i i thought i thought that was, I thought that was oh so that's okay. so you're saying your thing and then do you like are we are we just passing passing the pass the duchy is that the song Pass the duchy on the left hand side yeah, yeah, we can pass. Just that do on. a rotation so, of, of who wants to do next. <laughs> yeah, so sir, did you want to answer that same question? I know you didn't do that many episodes, but I didn't know if the. Yeah, I already forgot the question, so oh, I'll okay. just <laughs> I'll just say okay. What I'll was it? I'll, what I'll, is... I'll lead you in with that. Yeah. I'll just do it with you. Uh, now, Sarah, I understand that it's not been the longest tenure, but I'd like to view your time on the show as more quality over quantity. So uh, I guess I'll pose the same question to you. What was the what was one of the things that you were, you know, maybe a little unsure of? But then uh, guess what? It took flight. Um, well, I'm going to hope it took flight. I'm not going to say the word hope. Redact that. I don't want. We don't have to feel that hope. Just coming after us. But um, just just doing it at all. Um, verbal communication is not necessarily my strong suit or what I'm most comfortable with. Um, a much better keyboard warrior and memer. Um, you know, so it started, I guess, I guest hosted two episodes. Um, and I was like, Oh, I don't know, but Peter's my friend. And <laughs> like, <laughs> I like talking to him and it's going to be fine. Um, so, so it was really just, just doing it at all and trying to not be super critical of myself. And cause I don't, I also don't really listen to podcasts. So that was another Another hypocrisy moment. I'm a huge hypocrite, everybody. Sorry, <laughs> you can cancel me now. Um, but yeah, so that was it. Was just just doing it at all, and you know, putting I guess putting myself out there. And you know, I've been I've been writing for Winging at Motown for six years or so. 
And that took me a long time to get comfortable with too. Um, but actually speaking out loud is so much worse, so much worse for me. Um, but I was like, this is going to make you a better person. <laughs> you need to do this. Just suck it up, do your best. And no one knows where you live. So it's fine. <laughs> That's my answer. Just, just doing it at all. And, and I, I don't want to say hope. Um, I can't think of a synonym. Um, ideally, <laughs> it went well. And people, people thought it went well. But don't oh, no, tell me absolutely. it wasn't because I can't take criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what about you? Turnabout is fair play. What, 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 Turn, what, turnabout yeah. is fair play. Uh, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't think this would really come as a shock to anybody, but the, the podcast we were able to do with uh, Max Boltman and Craig Custance in the Red Wings locker room, that was a, uh, um, you know, that I guess when everybody talks about like things that just start out as wild ideas that actually manifest themselves, that was probably the most surprising thing and uh, i can say this now after so much time has passed the the, the manner in which uh, uh, of how smoothly it went i i just like my jaw was on the floor because i got to a certain point i think when i was first talking to the company that was in charge of uh overseeing and facilitating the sale of all the seats um i was just like bracing myself like oh someone's gonna swoop in and say no you can't you can't be in here da 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 and uh, the next thing I know, I'm packing up my car after recording. And it's like, wow, my car is parked right outside the locker room where this team won for freaking Stanley Cups. You know, it just kind of hits you like, you know, a Scott Stevens hit and <laughs> kind of have to reorient yourself. But um, that was just all time. And I'm, you know, I was glad we were able to pull it off. I'm, I'm glad that uh, it was... Uh, you know, just, it's, it's a forever memory. Um, and, uh, you know, again, this is, it, it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't started a podcast. So, yeah. you know, this is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of my opinions on this podcast is it's a Genesis point for a lot of fun things and a lot of great friendships that have developed over the years. And, uh, I, I, you know, if this, if this podcast were a person, I wouldn't know how to thank it. So, <laughs> I guess to you guys, I'll just say we'll continue to be friends forever and ever. <laughs> and we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best. So. Yeah. Before, before we move on to, to the next question, um, a, a couple honorable mentions, I think definitely uh, the, the interviews with Ken Daniels and with Daniel Carcillo uh, yes. were both very nerve-wracking not because of them like they were they were wonderful but just because of the conditions of trying to get them to because we, we had to do both of them on the phone and it was just very hard to get good reception and and you know again it wasn't them they couldn't have been nicer but obviously you know I mean this is uh you know two people uh two people I respect very much which is very weird to say that about Dan Carcillo I wouldn't have said that when he was a player but now with yeah. what he's done you know like we talked about in the interview what he's done post-career in his activism um I respect the hell out of that um and you know Ken Daniels is just fantastic uh and I was very nervous uh going into those interviews because I didn't want to mess up I didn't want to say something stupid um and once we started it just felt really good it was it was a lot of fun um so I guess, let me, uh, I'm going to ask a question. So uh, Sarah, I'm going to come to you first. And I'm asking you this because I know that you have at least one answer for this based on our <laughs> discussions before. Um, what, what, what was your favorite like individual segment 
of any of the shows that we've done? Yes, I do have an answer. And it was the, I can't remember. I think it was maybe the first episode I guest hosted or the second. It was, it was a guest host moment, but we did a segment where we compared the machines in Horizon Zero Dawn to NHL teams and, you know, bonded over our mutual hatred of Glint Hawks and Toronto. So that was, uh, that was, I felt like that was a very comfort, comfort area because we had been talking about Horizon Zero Dawn um, forever. So that was, that was really fun. I really like hypotheticals. Um, and then the second favorite, which I think, which was also a guest host was the game where I don't remember what we called it, but I was calling it player or player. Yeah. You came up with a much better name than I did. So our game of player or player where you name gave a name and it was, it's either a Russian hockey player or a Russian ballet person. (laughs) Um, And that was, that was a really fun game just because the way that we were like making up journeys to get there being like, well, that sounds like this. So it must not be a hockey player. (laughs) Oh, but I don't know, but we just had one. So that was a, a fun, a fun game, a fun little journey. And I, I felt like, you know, I knew that you guys played games. So I was like, ah, I'm part of the team now. I'm also <laughs> playing, I'm also playing this game and I'm not embarrassing myself. Like I did with the basketball game, so, <laughs> the how tall are people game. Oh um, yeah. I think the wipe first, why yeah. the bar with me, but, but the ballet game, <laughs> I was, I was better. <laughs> yeah. The first one was uh, Ryan Simpson uh, where he did that. And then the second one was Andrew Thomas um, where we did the ballet, the ballet one. Um, yeah, I mean the absolutely those, those were I, I always love when when we come up with uh what uh what do you call it? We always come up with like what uh NHL players are like this or what NHL teams are like this. Uh you know, those are just super fun. Uh Jay, what about you? What's what's your favorite individual segment? My favorite sure? individual that we ever did. That we ever did. Um Let's see. Well, I think I think the first time we did cross checks, which I think was just our parody of of like crossfire with uh, Babyface Carlson and what what other face uh, bow tie whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I I had a lot of fun with that one. That was a uh, that was a, a a very good use of our of our time. I think, but I don't know if that's like the best. <laughs> I'm like my most favorite. Um, segment uh i don't know i might have to cop out and say every game <laughs> just every game what we played because the the amount of work to go into not just having a great name for the game but then also making it truly difficult like but but in a fun way because mm. it like it made you think it wasn't like an obvious like hey which one's a potato chip lays or maize well <laughs> definitely lays so you know the these these ones actually made you you know try and put a little bit of the scientific method into it and then it either helped you or completely screwed you over so um in that regard i i regard those as as my favorite segments um I, w- I will say, um, I think our, I think our, inter- our first interview with Scott Cohen, that was, I think, probably, how many other qualifiers could I put in front of it without just saying it? <laughs> that was really good. I really enjoyed it because that felt like the first, because we had, we had cousins on, but like, I thought Colin was just, that was a big get. And all thanks to you, Pete, for 
putting yourself out there. I think, I think the only guests that I've been able to like really help on were like Ken Daniels and, you know, the, any the folks from the athletic, but pretty much all of the other guests, you know, Pete had already had contact with, or had made new contacts with at any of the uh, analytic conferences. So, um, you know, once again, a big, a big ups to Pete for being basically the traveling secretary for all of our guests, um, <laughs> such that they can, you know, obviously call in and be recorded. And, um, it's, uh, it was, it's, it's really great. So slam, slam dunk to you, sir. Um, I, so now you're last, so now I have to ask it to you, Yeah. you know, what's, uh, what do you got? What's numero uno? Oh man. It's, it's. It's really hard. I, I've been thinking the whole time that, you know, ever since I asked the question, I, I had the realization I was going to have to answer this too. Um, <laughs> I had a good one in my head before and I can't remember. Um, well, one, one that definitely was just because of, uh, I think how much work went into it, but how happy I was with the, the outcome of it was the, the interviews I recorded at uh, one of the analytics conferences in Rochester, where we had um, Matt Kane, uh, who would later, uh, I think the, the following year was hired by the New Jersey Devils. Uh, and then we had Matt Barlow and CJ um, Totoro. Uh, and Matt Barlow was uh, the year after hired by the NHL. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good hit rate, two out of three from that, the, you know, the, that one group of interviews. And I, I really liked it because those interviews I actually did in person, as opposed to over some type of, you know, Zoom or Skype or whatever. Um, and that was, you know, that, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, had, I had another one that I was trying to, trying to remember now. Um, well, while you're thinking of that for a moment, let me just comment on those trips that you did make. Because again, I really enjoyed those as well. Because that was just a weird thing. Because I originally was supposed to go to that Rochester one, but I had to back out late. So, uh, you know, for you to be able to just kind of put the team on your back, though, uh, that was really good. That was, uh, I really enjoyed those interviews. Um, and again, those analytics conferences are just, uh, I mean, when I say, when I say they're a riot, it's like in the, obviously in the best way possible because just there's so much um you know when, when you talk about what the mainstream debate is about what analytics is place is in sports or in hockey and you know you sometimes it's being portrayed as like this faceless monster that's like creeping in the edge and just like terrorizing hockey men at night and they can't sleep <laughs> and they're sweating all the time uh but you go to these analytics conferences and it's just honestly the, the some of the brightest uh, and most engaging and creative people that have a passion for not just the sport itself, but with how much you can get either more out of it or how much more you can reveal uh, using uh, statistical analysis. And mm. um, I, I really relish all the times we were able to talk to people who are in it. Cause I, I, myself, like I've tried to get better. I've tried to educate myself more. Um, you know, there's still some stuff that as a non-mather, uh, uh, and a non-mathlete as, as one could say, um, you know, there's still some roadblocks there, but, uh, you know, just like the Mike Blake McCurdy and, and his visualizations and stuff, there's, it's, just, it's all fascinating. And I'm really glad we were able to, on more than one occasion, not just once, mm -hmm. like, I guess, throughout the tenure of, of this podcast, we've been able to have a really nice, uh, analytical presence because I think that 
that's really what I could hope for the league to be. It's not about one taking over the other. It's just including them in the group. So, um, yeah, those, those in-person things were, were really great. And I once again applaud you for, you know, again, being the traveling secretary, literally traveling to places to interview people. Um, cause I think that just made the show that much better. Yeah, I think I think my 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 final answer, and and, and I really did obviously like the the one I said before, um, but I think I definitely want to make sure I mention uh, you know the Katie Strang interviews. I think the, those were mm-hmm. I was very very thankful that we were able to get those. And actually, the second one, I don't I don't know if we were like the first public you know the first podcast she talked to after she came out with the second uh, big story you know the story that came out just before uh, we talked to her. Uh, the second time, but yeah. uh, you know, one thing that's been been nice about this is uh, kind of getting to to know the people that we've done interviews with uh, after the fact. You know, um, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't say that like we're best friends or anything, but you know, uh, you know, getting to talk to some of these people after after the podcast, so, you know, we stay in touch and and you know, catch up every now and then, and you know that that's been really fun. Like one of the one of the best things, and I always say this uh, about the analytics conferences, but it's also the same with other people that we talk to is, you know, everybody is like, could not be more nice and helpful and approachable and stuff like that. You know, so if you are a listener, and I, I say this every time we talked about the analytics conferences, if you're a listener, and you go to one of these conferences, you know, there's, there's plenty of times where you have the opportunity to just go talk to people, like definitely make sure to take advantage of that. Because I remember the first time uh, I I ended up sitting at a table with Scott Cullen and I was like, literally right next to him. And I was just like, what the hell do do I talk to? You know, like like he was like this, you know, (laughs) cause like, it's like, he's a national writer. It's like, you know, why would he want to talk to me? And like, you know, and then, you know, we ended up talking for like two hours, you know, like with a small group of us and it was just absolutely fantastic. So um, I I think that's probably my best takeaway, Um, you know, other than obviously getting to spend all this wonderful time with you guys. Uh, so before we go to the last uh, section, uh, Jay's asked a question. I've asked a question. You know what that means, Sarah? Oh, I'm out of here. Oh no. <laughs> we believe in you. Okay. Well, then I'm going to ask a question that has nothing to do with the podcast because I just totally blanked out. That's okay. Um, so what is everybody doing right now what's like your quarantine hobby or activity or something tell me something that has nothing to do with hockey at all that you're up to and i'll start with uh with jay oh put me on the spot well um in in my time since departing this fine program uh, i've uh found myself uh very much reconnecting with uh drawing um i i recently uh started to uh basically surf every single weird page of Instagram about fan art, but also just abstract art. Um, I'm a, I'm a really visual person and, um, finding myself with this much time. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it was, it was a rarity. It was an extreme, it's an extreme circumstance to find your yourself in and, um, you know, unfortunately, I was able to maintain somewhat of an income during the layoff, and now it's sort of back. Um, you know, obviously with the Delta and the Lambda, that's obviously putting a huge asterisk on things again. But um, I, like I said, I've been reconnecting with drawing a lot. Um, 
I'm using a, uh, I'm using an iPad Pro, and I'm using I think what is mostly the popular program for digital artists, which is Procreate. So there's a bunch of different brushes you can use, and there's a bunch of just random people on the internet that have free tutorials about how to do shading, how to make stuff look realistic, how to make it look more cartoonish. And um, I think that's really helped with a lot of, uh, you know, not just personal growth, because I think there's obviously everybody always has that one activity that they know that they can do very well uh, to center themselves, to be relaxed. A, uh, a fun story I always like to bring up is uh, I remember watching the documentary about about South Park called Six Days to Air. Uh, it's currently on HBO Max. Give us that money, HBO Max. <laughs> um, so it's a uh, just it's a short little documentary about, you know, basically what the what the process is of turning around an episode of South Park. It's because it's turned around in six days. So it's about you know them writing it, them finalizing it and then animating it and then voicing it and all that stuff. It's a phenomenal behind the scenes look. But what's funny is the best part has absolutely nothing to do with the show. The best part is that they go into Trey's office and you immediately see this giant shelf with these massive Lego sets built. It's like a Millennium Falcon, uh, the, uh, uh, I think a Y-Wing. There's just like this, like just this wall of stuff. And for a second you think like, oh, are they gonna address that? Is that something they're gonna talk about? It's kind of like, you know, Chekhov's gun, right? Like mm -hmm. you, if you show it, it has to go up. Um, and I was I was absolutely shocked at the simplicity simplistic way he said this, which was, you know, Trey was talking about how the way he looks at Legos is for as hectic and ridiculous as his schedule is because he has to write things, but then rewrite things and then reapprove things. So like stuff rarely goes the way you expect it to. And he says that Legos are the perfect thing where it will turn out exactly as it's supposed to because you have all the instructions, you have all the pieces and you know it's gonna come out great and that kind of pumps you up. So then you take that confidence into a non-Lego related thing. So in that regard, I've also reconnected with some of my sets, um, but I also spent some of the downtime taking them apart because I mean, to quote, <laughs> to quote Omar, <laughs> I know his real life name, but I like to still call him Omar from The Wire but from community, the episode he guest hosted on, where it's like, I've been in the, I've been in jail for too long. I have a question. Asked, when did Legos get so weird? Why are there, <laughs> why are there Star Wars Legos? It used to just be blocks and stuff. Now you're building X-Wings? What happened? <laughs> uh, so that's pretty much been my thought. Um, and just trying to stay healthy, trying to stay active. I myself, as someone who works in the Detroit sports media market, I, over this last year and a half, our channel went through a complete rebrand. And it's had well, this its. This is the first uh, I'm of hearing of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we didn't really do much of a marketing campaign for it. No, no real heads up whatsoever. It was kind of a, you know, it's kind of like uh, the the opening of the flamingo. One day it was closed, the next day it was open. I know I was there. Uh, so um, that's been its own uh, unique set of challenges to uh, bring the the joy of Detroit sports to the masses, especially in what I believe to be probably the most exciting time to start following them again, because I think not just for the Tigers, but you know, for the Red Wings and the Pistons, they're, um, they're on the verge of just being plain old competitive, not like, Hey, championship or bus. It's just watchable again. And when they all are watchable at the exact same time, 
everybody's feeling great. Everybody's feeling fantastic. You know, at the end of the day, everybody still likes to get their underpants in a twist because they think that they know sports better. And to, again, to do my usual thing where I quote things, to quote Bender R. Bendington or Bender Bendington Rodriguez, I bet I could beat those trained professionals because that's all that's all sports opinions are. So uh, it's been uh, a bit of a ride and uh, now it's uh, calming down just a little bit. I would be uh, remiss if I didn't say that it's uh, that if I said it wasn't hard, it continues to be hard in some respects because again, that human connection as Pete was talking about um, it's pretty crucial. And um, I think that there's a lot to be gained from when we can all just be better to each other and do that to the point where we can all be healthy and around each other again. And we're not quite there yet. So it's, uh, it's really annoying more of a roller coaster than it should ever have to be but we'll get through it just gonna continue the rebuild of of daily life get from just livable it's like the sports being watchable just get like bearable yeah. just make yeah. life bearable step yeah. one <laughs> yeah it is pretty interesting to see how real life matched what the red wings were trying to do quote-unquote rebuild on the fly yeah <laughs> um so i'll go next uh and Everybody knows what I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> although I, I have been doing a lot of different things, um, but probably my biggest hobby of late has been um, card magic. I, uh, at the end of last school year, I basically uh, came across a video of somebody vanishing a card and I was like, that's really cool. I want to learn how to do that. And because I have ADD, I get very obsessed with like, cool, now let's do 80 more things that have to do with that. Um, and so basically, once I learned how to do that, uh, then I learned how to do a few other things and I got really into it uh, and I'm still into it. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's, it's something that I can do that is, uh, that is fun and rewarding because, you know, obviously it takes practice. It takes a lot of practice, but it, it takes, it's with, I don't know, a couple hours of practice, I can do something that will make somebody else go, wow, that's cool, you know? And uh, then if I keep practicing, you know, I'll get even better at it. So um, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, I've been playing a pretty good amount of video games. Uh, lately, Borderlands 3 has been uh, the obsession because uh, they've released a lot of new content for it since the first time I played the game. And it's a lot of fun. And it's one of those things where if I want to just kind of forget about what's going on in the world, I just hop in my chair and just play for a couple hours <laughs> and don't care about anything. And I shoot things and there's bright lights and a whole bunch of fun rewards happen. And it, you know, triggers the endorphins or whatever it is in my brain. And I'm like, yay, this is great. This is fun. Um, so Sarah, what about you? What have you been up to? <laughs> Yeah, tell I us. I say it that way because I I know at least one thing that she's yeah. going to talk about. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll save that. I'll mention a couple of things that I'll okay. say. I'll talk about that. So every I think everybody on Twitter knows that I I garden a lot, and so I just did a lot of kind of garden cleanup this week, which made me feel productive. Everything I do is just like I'm not going to do the things I'm supposed to do, so I should just do anything, do anything at all to feel productive. Um, and then I decide to just forget all that and download Skyrim. So I've been playing Skyrim for the first time. It's what, 10 years old. Um, I had been kind of on the fence 
for a while about whether or not I wanted to play it. Um, and then I was, I was watching this web series called Epic NPC Man, and they have you know never ending references to Skyrim and games like that. And I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go for it. It's in a bundle with Fallout 4. So in a couple months, Peter's gonna hear all about Fallout 4 <laughs> when we start playing. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been playing Skyrim, I guess maybe two weeks and just a lot. It's what I was doing before we recorded. It's what I'll be doing after we record. Um, it's what I'll be doing until Red Wing season starts. Um, and it's been good because I was like, I just need a game with like no pressure where I can just walk around and just do stuff. And nobody's really telling me what to do. So that was like the perfect, the perfect game for me. So I'm really enjoying it and I've been tweeting about it a little bit. And I already know that you'd never kill a chicken. <laughs> that you can rob people if you put a basket over their head, that if you hover a plate in front of you and then run at a wall, you can phase through it, which came in handy. Um, yes, I got like yeeted into the stratosphere by a giant <laughs> I mean, within the first hour of playing. Yes. So I feel like that was, I, I could tell people on Twitter were like waiting for that to happen to me once oh, yeah. I started playing. Um, and I, I've killed a bunch of dragons. So I, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm getting the, the full experience. I'm trying to have, you know, all the check all the boxes. And, and I know that getting destroyed by a giant and just thrown into the sky was a, a really big milestone for, for me personally. So I'm really glad to have achieved that as part of my, you know, personal development uh, as a good person. So that's what I've been up to. Mostly Skyrim, a little bit of gardening. Yeah, I love that. Um basically my friendship with each of you kind of started talking over talking about video games um that's pretty much what i that's pretty much how this started so um before we go to our, our second break i basically i i met jay on my pilgrimage to detroit to go to joe lewis arena before it was torn down and i uh, i met him in a greek restaurant uh right before i think they brought out the flaming cheese uh, which is which fastly, uh, which quickly became one of my favorite uh, foods to have in restaurants. Um, but uh, and you know we you know we we got to talk for a little bit and then uh, we started uh, chatting when we were uh, playing online. We played NHL against each other and other games and stuff like that. Um, and at the same time, I, th I I I don't know if it started this way, but like with Sarah and I, we definitely spend the vast majority of our time talking about talking to each other most days about video games. Um, yep. It's, it'll, sometimes it'll be Peter telling me how great a game is and not me telling him, well, that's, I'm glad you're happy, but I'm never going to play it. <laughs> so it was Spider-Man and now it's Borderlands. And I'm like, I'm really happy for you, but I'm never going to play those games. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm really happy for you. I'm not going to read that. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to read all that, but I'm really happy for you or I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly all right so we have one more break we have a mailbag segment and then we have one last game to wrap up this podcast forever that sounds really dark but it shouldn't be it's happy yay we're having fun you really feel the finality of it i know <laughs> i gotta i gotta before we while we're on break i gotta go find a hammer and a nail so i can nail the coffin shut but, uh, <laughs> all right we'll be back
And we're back for the final segment of the final episode, for sure, for our final mailbag and the final game. And we will start with the mailbag because I know the game is going to be really, really fun, even though I don't know what it is. Um, so, I, you know, I, we are going to address JJ's question here. So our first question in the mailbag is uh, from our friend JJ from Kansas. If you were playing Monopoly against a vampire, could you win the game by putting a house on any property and simply not inviting them into that space? Now, the question there, the real question is, is the token that you're using a vampire? Because if you have, if first you invited a vampire into your house to play Monopoly, and if they're using the wheelbarrow, are they still a vampire or are they a wheelbarrow? Because a wheelbarrow doesn't need permission to go into a house um, or into a hotel. So really i'm just flipping that question right back saying i i need more information about that because i think it only counts if the token is a vampire um and i don't think a wheelbarrow can contract vampirism so yeah, yeah i think I th you can play normally i think i think if i if i was playing a monopoly against a vampire i think that i uh, trying to win the game would be the least of my concerns <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if I'm playing Monopoly with a vampire, a lot of questions have already been asked and answered. <laughs> like, are you going to eat me? Yeah. No. Are you going to turn me into a vampire? No? Okay, well then, do you want to play a game? So, uh, like you said, Sarah, there's the the amount of unknown variables in this question. I guess maybe that's the point. But um, I actually think the logic is sound. I, I I honestly think that if you were to play a game of Monopoly and you just raced to just make sure that every one of your properties were at least with one house and you just refused to admit them. That's that, that probably work, but then it'd probably be like the end of Bill and Ted bogus journey where like he just gets mad and then demands to play another game and another game and another game. And then he realizes he has to be true to his word and like not kill the person he's playing against. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty good one. That's a, that's a fool me once shame on you loophole i think that's what that is <laughs> okay let's see oh you know and we're gonna we're gonna tackle jj's other question okay um which is a follow-up even though it has nothing to do with vampires um would you rather fight 30 to 50 feral hogs with darren helm's hands or fight an eric tangrady sized darren helm but he literally has hams for hands so, I mean, I think I'm fighting Darren Helm. I don't know if Darren Helm and Eric Tangrady are that different in sizes. Um, I do think <laughs> Helm having hams for hands is more dangerous than Helm having Helm hands for hands. <laughs> so I will, I, will give him, I will give it that, that the punch would probably uh, be more effective. Um, and, and I think no one is fighting feral hogs with uh with darren helm hands unless his hands are good at shooting hogs but not shooting with a stick pucks if he's if he has to kill the hogs with puck no but yeah. maybe he's really good at using like grenades um but i, I think i'm still fighting ham ham hand helm <laughs> that's my logic <laughs> yeah right i mean like, like you know if we if we take away the qualifiers basically we're just left with 30 to 50 feral hogs which as we know is a daunting proposition um 
especially when you're trying to keep your children safe. Yeah, you're on the clock with that. There's no clock on the home on the right. home fight. <laughs> like, like you know, you could, you know, you have options. Like, you could run away uh, from an Eric Tangrady size Darren Helm. Um, you know, you could do a lot of things that you couldn't do if you had to fight thirty to fifty feral hogs with anybody's hands. Um, I mean, I think I think the only way I would take the first one is if I uh, both of Darren Helm's hands were holding like rocket launchers. Uh, <laughs> and even then I would be very concerned about the blowback. You know, I would, I would be very concerned about, uh, you know, what would happen uh, to me uh, as a result of the explosions. I, I don't think I would be safe. Uh, so, and, and plus, I mean, you know, someone having ham for hands, I mean, that's adorable. I would, I would much rather see that. My answer is I'm going with the ham hands based solely on the fact that the second the hogs would try to eat it, they would be crippled with doubt because they would be eating their own. Because uh, lest we forget, ham comes from hogs. So uh, I think that would be the perfect deterrent to uh, against 30 to 50 feral hogs. Because as we know, the hog community is very much like the vampire community. You don't commit vampicide. You don't commit hogicide. So uh, if they were to eat said ham hands it would go against their moral code and they'd have to commit whatever the pig version of harikari so um which again we're all winners because either way we got bacon we got pork we got we got we got we got a dinner coming up here so i think i think that's the best option the ham hands okay Whoa. and i think that's the end of the end of our mailbag <laughs> Thank you, JJ, for your, as always, thought-provoking uh, questions. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry. I, it's my turn to shine. I have, uh, <laughs> I have a, a game uh, that I've prepared for you. It's game time. And because this is the last one, I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that it's entirely above board. I, I mean, they all have been thus far, but I want to make sure there's no, no doubt in anybody's mind. So what I've done is I came up with 12, I, I have 12 questions. Um, so obviously six each. And uh, I ran a random number generator to determine the order of the questions in which I'm asked. So I'm not going to do what I've done in the past where like I would choose a question for a person. Um, so because of that, it is entirely fair. Uh, and before we started, I asked each of you to give me a number between one and a hundred uh, to, uh, and, and the one that was closest to the number that I chose would go first. Now, because I've randomized the question, going first may be good or bad right? It's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so uh, Sarah is going to go first because she was the closest. Uh, she guessed 37. Jay guessed 24. The number was 42. It was 42. Um, the answer to the universe, life, the yes. universe and everything. Yes. And Should a I number know. that appears either twice or three times in my Xbox or PlayStation uh, handle. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, here we go. So this quiz is called 
the Bioshock and the Spurious. Obviously a reference to one of the greatest film franchises in history. Um, the, 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 the gist of this is I'm going to give you, uh, for each question, I'm going to give you a, uh, a fact, right? Um, that is either a shocking moment in video game history. Now, shocking is probably a little bit over the top. You know, it's, they're not that shocking, but you know, but that's what we do here. We're over the top. Yeah, surprising. Uh, and it could be about the game itself. It could be about something surrounding the video game, like video game culture, etc. Um, or it is something that I made up. All right. So the uh, so that's that's the spurious part. Uh, so um, your job is very simply to tell me either if this is something that happened or if this is something that I made up. Right. So true or false, whatever you want to say. Here we go. All right. So. Uh, like I said, Sarah is up first. Okay. Okay. In Borderlands 3. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows I haven't played it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a side quest in which you are tasked with testing out a video game. One of the missions in this in-world game tasks you with collecting 100 energy sources that are scattered throughout the area. You can bypass all of this by buying an upgrade that will lower the required number to 10. So it's basically the inception of microtransactions. Hmm. Is that true or did I make it up? Now, yeah, I don't know. Cause it's, it's so detailed, but that could be throwing like a throw off. They all like, have, a, they it, all have a lot of detail. I think I'm going to make it so detailed that it, it sounds real, but that's what you think I would think. <laughs> or you think both of us would think. Um, yeah. Spending money, spending real money does sound like something a game would ask you to do um energy sources sounds generic i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna say you made it up that is incorrect that yeah. is actually but uh, also yay because that's like great that it's real <laughs> yeah there's actually a game i i forget what it's called it has something to do with transactions it's uh it's a parody on uh microtransactions in video games um all right jay here we go the uh sorry oh I, I almost read the read the wrong question okay in tulsa oklahoma a parent group attended to ban the sales of mario kart when rumors circulated about local uh, kids trying to emulate the game in go-karts going so far as to throw homemade cardboard turtle shells at police cars as they drove by the rumors turned out to be part of an attempted marketing campaign from nintendo that is absolutely true that is absolutely false. I made that up. I uh, wanted, I wanted to be true. See, I feel like we're 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 yeah. all, we're all losers in this game. Oh, man, <laughs> I'm gonna want all of it to be true. <laughs> I I want it to be true as well. Um, but but it's not actually there. Uh, I got the idea for this. Um, there have been some TikTok videos lately of people driving around in go karts with Mario costumes on, uh, throwing like plush bananas at other cars and stuff um okay the uh so sarah you're up next the game poker pro 3 had to be removed from online stores after people complained about crippling carl in the original version of the game there's an option to cheat when you are dealing that would trigger a mini game in which you would attempt to deal from the bottom of the deck if you failed to do so, a cutscene transpired in which crippling Carl took a baseball bat to your knee in a back room, and people said the scene was too realistic. Hmm. I'm going to say it's true because I 
want it to be true. Unfortunately, I made that up. Ah. Oh, I was like, that, I, was like oh, I don't know. That sounds fake. But I, I just I want it to be real. All my answers are going to be they're real because I just want it to be true. <laughs> OK, Jay, you're up next. Um, it, it, uh, let me just make sure I'm on the right question. Yep. A detective who played Team Fortress Classic 2 in his off time actually solved the case by playing the game. In the voice chat, he stuck up a conversation with another player who turned out to live in the same area of the country. The other player said that he couldn't say exactly where he lived because he was wanted by the police. He eventually gave the detective enough information to realize he was the suspect he had been looking for. It's absolutely true. It is absolutely false. Ah! All right. So, so far, Come on we're, now. we're just being left in disappointment. <laughs> Whatever. I think, I think the, uh, I think the takeaway here so far is that I'm very good at making up. That would be, answers. that would be like a, that would be a great, like, show or podcast episode or something that's yeah story. um okay here we go sarah okay in the early 1980s during the satanic panic movement that caused parents to keep their children from playing dungeons and dragons a string of christian arcades propped up popped up around the country featuring quote-unquote appropriate versions of arcade games it was as ridiculous as you might expect they went so far as to rename, as to rename asteroids big space rocks Again, I'm going to I'm going to want it to be true. And and you know, I'm going to say it's true because I saw this commercial for something called Pure Flix that was like Christian Netflix. <laughs> I was like, so I'm going to I'm going to say it's true because if there's can be like Christian Netflix, there can be Christian arcades with big space rocks. I I made it up. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh okay oh my god all right jay undertale is a game in which a player can choose to kill or spare each enemy in the entire game if they make a mistake and decide to start over the first character they come across knows why you restarted and mocks you for it true that is true. Oh, that is a real game. Gravy. That is a oh, real game. It sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. I was like, that sounds like a, that sounds like some Dark Souls shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. a very, very tiny. It's a very, very. It, it seems like it's like a small, uh, like it's an old game. Uh, looking at the graphics, either that or it's a very retro game. Um, mm. But yeah, it sounds really cool. I was I uh, I came across it while I was trying to find uh, stuff to write about. Um, okay, <laughs> Sarah. Next question. Okay. So we are halfway there. Jay is Jay has a commanding lead of one to zero. All right. In 2011, gamers playing the game Fold It solved the problem scientists have been having in the search to find a cure for AIDS. Hmm. I've never heard of that game, so I don't know what it's about. Um, sure. You know what? I'm going to just keep keep on keeping on and say that's true. It is true. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, bu- 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 bu. It, 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 the game Fold It is a protein folding game. Uh, it, it allows players to solve complex puzzles by linking amino acids and pushing around proteins. The idea is to come up with the ultimate folded state for each problem. Uh, and prior to the, the creation of this game, scientists found themselves baffled by a particular age-related problem that halted their progress towards curing the disease. 
Um, but they were able to solve it based on the game, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's. I was like folded. I was like, is that a po- another poker game? <laughs> I know. It doesn't sound <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, wow, how did that leave to a cure? But all right. No, okay. you're that. The real explanation makes a lot more sense. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Jay, here we go. A Dota 2, D O T A 2, streamer was robbed at gunpoint while streaming from her house. People watching the stream called the police, and the streamer was unharmed, but obviously shaking up. I'm going to say false. That is true. That actually happened. <sighs> Critical yep. error. Yep, that actually actually happened. Uh, let's see. When was that? Yep. Uh, I feel like that's one of those scenarios you hear about, but you're never sure if it actually, if it yeah. actually happened. Right. Yeah. That's somewhere in here. Ah, that's okay. Um, okay, La- next one. So we have two more each. Right? Okay. Uh, so we have a tie game right now. Now, just so you know, I do not have a bonus question. So if there's a tie, it'll be a tie and we all win. <laughs> I got one point. I can walk away with my head yeah. high. Okay. <laughs> Either way, I'll have a loser point. So. The Metal Gear series is known for its elaborate and unconventional ways for to solve puzzles and beat bosses. Metal Gear 4 had a secret puzzle that might be the hardest of all. In order to access the puzzle, you had to go to the correct location, save your game, install your save on another console, and then restart the game. After doing all that, your only reward was a 15-minute long cutscene that explained a boss's nickname. Hmm. I haven't played Metal Gear, but that I've heard. My brother's played it. I think I've watched him play it. (laughs) That does sound like a stupid thing. That would be... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be true that they would do to troll i'm gonna no i'm gonna i'm gonna just i need to say something is false so i'm gonna say that one is false that was a great uh that was a great choice i made that up oh, yes. um now if you've ever played any of the metal gear games you know that that is entirely plausible <laughs> that's um, what that's what i was talking about 100 yeah there actually is a uh i forget what what which one it was um metal gear 2 maybe or I forget, but there was one where in order to beat a bad guy, you had to literally unplug your controller and plug it into the other port. Cause like the, <laughs> like the gist was he was, he was psychic and he could, uh, he could anticipate what you were going to do. I'm not making that up. That's entirely true. Okay. Kids are like plug in a controller. Yeah. I remember. That? Yeah. Cause I had it on PlayStation two. So it was whatever, whatever version that was. Okay. Jay, here we go. Two people married after meeting for the first time in a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 lobby. Gary was being frequently killed by Kaylee's username. And he obviously by her, you know, he kept seeing her username pop up. And he sent her a message to stop killing him. One thing led to another and they eventually got married. Hmm. This is why I'm upset because you're an English person and you know how to write things very well. <laughs> I'm gonna. S- I'm probably gonna get roasted for this. I'll say it's true. That is true. Oh my goodness. Yep, that is true. What? Yep. 
you can apparently that actually happen more do you think the internet would be a friendlier place like you can just like politely ask someone to not kill you and all of a sudden you're spending the rest of your life with them yeah, apparently you can meet people in a Call of Duty Modern Warfare lobby uh, that are and over not the age measure of the length of your genitalia. That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sarah, here we go. This is your last one. Okay. Right now it's two two. So if you get this one, you cannot lose. Okay. Well, of course, we're I'll, all winners. I'll make, so. I'll make sure not to get. I want to leave a, a lasting bad impression. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Two gamers invented a device called the Gene Zap. Uh, now it's actually it's it's Genezap, right? So G E N E Z A P, which modified Sega Genesis controllers, right? That's where the Gena comes from, to send a signal to a dog shock collar. Now the players wore that; it wasn't like worn by their dog, obviously. Whenever they made a mistake in the game. Hmm. I'm gonna say that is not true. That is true. Ugh. No, I was I like, how was do you? A, I was like, define what? mistake in the game. That's all you got me. You kept it was the real so thing. So it's like, like if, there, if there's like a fighting game and they get hit, they get shocked. I was like, Sega Genesis isn't that smart, is it? I guess it is. Well, they modified. Yeah, they 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 basically modified the controllers um, and modified a a dog shock collar. So they they wore the collar, and then and and there, there's YouTube videos of this. You can actually watch them do this. Because we what still have a, a completely awful name. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought it was. I, I I was so upset. I thought it was going to be a giveaway when I didn't know how to pronounce it. Because it would be like, well, of course you didn't write that. If you yeah. know how to pronounce I was like, I was like, yeah. oh, you're an English or person. Just... I thought you're psyching me out. Yeah. Like yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Either yeah. he's messing up on purpose to try and psych yeah. us out, or this is. Oh. All right, Jay. Here we go. You ready? The last question. In the Fast and Furious video game, it's actually because that was the uh, the inspiration for the title of this. It's actually fitting that we end on this question. Yep. And again, random, but uh, happy accident. There's an early mini game in which you have to guess a password. The actual game mechanic is very complicated, which involves anagrams and the Fibonacci sequence, which is all the more confusing because the password is, as you have likely already guessed, family. I was about to say family. Yeah. I'm going to say that's false. I completely made that up. <laughs> yeah. So. I, don't want to toot, I, don't, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but uh, I think the word Fibonacci in video games very seldom are mentioned seriously together. So <laughs> it's nice to know I can at least find one tell in your, in your, in your cavalcade of made-up literature. Fibonacci and friggin' uh, Vin Diesel not today satan not today <laughs> well i mean it wouldn't be like vin diesel created the video game himself now i, I honestly know that. what if he did yeah he plays D D, man i honestly don't know um uh if there is a fast and furious video game i i i invented it if it doesn't exist um but obviously I completely made that up. Now, the fun thing would be if any of the ones I made up actually exist somewhere in the real world. Uh, yeah. That's the thing. We're, we're ending it with some, you you put out some really good pitches that people <laughs> should, uh, should call and take you up on, and then you can be a millionaire. Exactly. So I have no idea. I, I'm going to have a lot more free time now. I have no idea uh, what I'm going to be doing next. Uh, but Apparently, maybe uh, writing writing answers for quiz games is is something I should look <laughs> into. Uh, I don't know if you could make money doing that, but um, so 
yeah so before we wrap up is there anything you guys want to say or I don't know. See you don't at the five. Like... See you at the five-year reunion. Have a great summer. Don't ever change. <laughs> yeah. Hags. Was it H A G S? I'm definitely not ending the show like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, I'll I'll say that uh, you know seventy-five is a pretty pretty great number. Um, we've. Uh, I'm really glad that this. Uh, was ripped from the thresher of non-existence into this wonderful life we call life. And, uh, it's, uh, it's been really great to, to chat about stuff. Um, we are, uh, obviously still alive and around. We'll be talking to each other a bunch still. Um, but, uh, this is, uh, it's a very, very important part of my online experience and, and my sporting experience. So I, I thank you both for, for being such great people and such great friends to uh, talk about the uh, grown adults who play kids games. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Uh, first of all, to everybody listening, right. To people who've been listening uh, since day one, or if this is the first time you're listening, thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, there's a full back catalog that you can go through if you want to. Uh, you can you can get uh, go on a podcast app and, and download it uh, through uh, by searching Wingin and Motown. Uh, if you go to the Wingin and Motown site, you can also find a player like a, a page that has all the archives um, of every every episode we did. Um, and actually, I think it I think it might be even more than seventy five because I think the Kent. Ken Daniels one. I don't know if we counted this as uh, as a episode. Oh number. right, yeah, like the combo whim radio. Yeah, we did like a crossover. Plus. Yeah, thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no matter what, yeah, no matter what, awesome. Uh, and thank you. Uh, I don't know if they'd be listening to this, but thank you to all the people that have been guests over uh, the last few years, um, because while I think that the segments where it was just us talking have been, you know, obviously great. I, I think that having being able to have uh, such a wide variety of guests on the show uh, is a large part of what I think made this show good, uh, made this special. Um, and uh, I think that's great. So for the only time, like I, I don't have to do the whole gist of uh, the whole last part, right? My litany of uh, follow us and do all this stuff and everything. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I, I will say uh, if you do want to follow us on Twitter individually, uh, I will, uh, you know, put that out there so you can you can keep keep up with us. Right. Um, you can find me at P Flynn Hockey. You can find uh, Sarah at uh, Helmeroids and you can find Jay at the roar underscore 24. It's been a while since I said that last one. It's uh, woo. I know it felt like uh, like it's yesterday exactly so um thank you very much for listening uh take care and who knows might see you eventually later in some other capacity but uh thanks for listening bye 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 Bye. for sure 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 for sure, 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 for sure.
for sure. For sure. For sure.